So what is that telling you? It tells you back to your point, Chase. Yeah, the intentions are totally off as to why we do fitness. And that's the hard problem. Because fitness for generations deep has served a purpose of uh, duct taping and fixing bad behaviors. Welcome to the Ardent Fitness Podcast. It is our mission to wholeheartedly help you to live with purpose. This podcast will deliver our best practices as well as our guest methods to help achieve this end goal. If you need more, please visit us online or in the gym at Art and Fitness. Welcome back to another episode of the Ardent Fitness Podcast. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, not just myself, but James Fitzgerald with OPEX and also uh, Ardent owner Chase Tolleson. Wanted to, uh, to give everyone a shout out. Hopefully, they're staying safe. Um, we're wanting to really just get the best and most knowledgeable people we can out into our, our listeners so we can have uh, some, some better content and how we can help you on your day-to-day life. So, James, welcome. I'm a longtime listener. I found you through Chase. Chase found you through the CCP course. I've dove in to a lot of that free material that you have out there. And, and first and foremost, welcome, man. Cool. It's good to be on here. Yeah, I appreciate your time. Um, I did a little bit of research on you. Wanted to make sure I had all my ducks in a row. Yeah. A lot of, of how you're described in the industry or, or through your OPEX team is you're the guy that paints the picture. Yeah. And that's that's a really good, a really good nickname to have. It's kind of like that you're the creator, you're putting out the content and you're putting a lot in line for how other people can be successful in their experience. So um with with your experience, also you have twenty plus years of experience in and as a service strength coach and technician you were the 2007 men's individual crossfit champion and uh, you started opex in july of 1990 so that's a lot that's a really awesome resume i don't have anything that cool on my resume unfortunately um so, time. <laughs> yeah yeah and, and what i really i usually ask um our guests is how did you get involved and in, and in what really started your path down that fitness journey and overall wellness journey. Yeah, uh, it was it was ninety it was nineteen ninety nine where the business started. Um, just to clarify that. Um, uh, I played lots of sports in high school and um, and as a young kid as well, junior high and high school, uh, public and school in sports. And I played because I was in a northern Canadian community. I got a chance to. Uh, participate in a whole lot of options of sports um, throughout the year and um, through our community. And um, yeah, that was basically what I did. Um, and so, and I also did school and I, I, I preempted by saying that because I don't really remember a whole lot of fun times around school. You know, just going through the day, they looking out going like, I can't wait to play street hockey or I'm thinking about uh, what my buddies and I are going to do when we travel to a hockey tournament this weekend, like those kind of things. Right. Um, and I can remember this like very early age. Um, and as I get older, I forget some of them, but I certainly hold on to the young athlete stories, you know? Oh and, yeah. And then, uh, I, uh, played, uh, a lot of those sports and I tried to escalate a lot of them at a high level. I recognized over time that you got to kind of choose over time. You can't like play with it all. And, uh, so I, I went the hockey and soccer route. Uh, they were complimentary in Northern Canada for seasons as well as um, I was probably, I never really was really good at the highest level. Absolutely. 
you know, of, of any sport, but I was, I had all the basic characteristics of strategy and athleticism and love for a sport. And I love training. And I was coachable, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and those two sports stuck out. And so I was playing competitive soccer for a summer. I actually moved away from my home in June of 1992, fully expecting to never go back home. I had these dreams of going to um, some, some school, preferably Michigan. That was my goal. There's a whole different story as to why, but the NCAA programs are really raising their awareness of soccer scholarships and sc- soccer uh, concepts back then. You can remember back in that time now, it was just trying to level up for the Olympics that were to come in how they wanted the U.S. soccer program to move. So I was really interested in, uh, in t- leaving home in June and then having these grandiose ideas of like this young soccer player who gets picked up by an NCAA team and is on the Canadian team and goes to Europe. And, you know, I had these dreams, yeah. right? Um, and then I got injured that summer. I had a tip-tip fracture, and it was a pretty bad fracture. Um, and because of it, I had subsequent surgeries on compartment syndrome and um, issues with patellar tendonitis issues because they had to put a rod uh, through my patellar tendon down to the top of my tibia, Ooh. yada, yada, yada. You know, I went from this athlete to, like, just to no one, you know. Uh, at that age and my capabilities, I had created an identification of an athlete, um, and then I was just a number, you know. And so now I was stuck with this, like, real challenging thing in a bed of like, well, what is there if I'm just a number now? Cause I didn't have any base support of like relationships or schooling or anything. And now that was taken away. So the quick answer to your story, which totally makes sense now as a background portion of the story, why I love fitness so much. I discovered aspects of physical expression and challenging myself to get out of rehab, which you could see from my lens was probably like a transformation of my mind too, to now define myself as like someone who's solely responsible to making myself strong enough as a, as another human, like as a new, a new version. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and that is the, that's the, like, uh, that's the, what's it called? Not the tipping point, but that's like the, the precipice of the story that makes everything make sense. Right. Why I love fitness, why I love consistency, why I love people, you know, falling in love with physical expression challenges and why I preach it and yeah, et cetera. Very cool. I think I wanted to ask you a question too, since you played hockey. Uh, I fortunately, I, I just played some rat hockey, some beer league around, around the, uh, the ice house. But it, what was your, uh, what was your go-to stick? What was your go-to curve? Did you have the coffee curve or? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> that's a good question, dude. I don't even know at the time. <laughs> I'll give you, I'll, I'll age myself a little bit here though, but um wooden sticks were still a thing like an aluminum or a or a a variant of the Gretzky curve uh on a Sherwood or um I forget actually that that's actually blasphemy for (laughs) for me say that he was using a Sherwood but um it was it was Gretzky you know it was whatever you know the the stick that he used or the concepts around that and uh, I remember aluminum I used in my last year of midget AAA Okay. So, you know, the curves then, uh, I don't think they were as like in vogue as a selection until I started coaching young hockey players like 15 years later where they were like, oh, I got, I got the curve or I developed my own curve or, you know, I would burn my own curve. And I was like, what? Yeah. You're burning your own curve? Like this was never a concept back in my day. So I just aged myself on what we were dealing with basically. It was just slightly to the right of the straight uh, Maurice Richard stick and, and slightly before the, uh, the curve invention. So it's a good sweet spot. Yeah. I, 
But I, I should. I mean, yeah, you make me uh, you make me want to go back and revisit um, the actual curves and the sticks and et cetera. Because uh, I am currently playing hockey again. I just started this oh, cool. past year, and I fucking love it. Uh, it's every Saturday morning. It's early. Uh, it's just a bunch of guys, two different levels, two minute shift for uh, for this. Let's call it lower level. Two minutes for a really good level of hockey. Uh, you just go off a timer, no refs, two goalies, and you just go for 90 minutes. It's just fucking so nice. much fun. So much That's fun. Cool. Um, anyways, and of course, I go to the hockey to get all the full equipment, right? Yeah. And he's like, what stick would you like? And I was like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> like, the one what that are works? These, things? these are like swords today, you know? It's like, holy fuck. It's so light. I actually have taken like months to get used to stick handling again because it's so light. Um, anyways, I, I sorry to go off on that, but I want to go back and figure out what that, that sweet spot was for that. There's a lot of, uh, obviously a lot of hand-eye coordination that goes into that sport. Same with, with, uh, soccer, if it's going to be foot to eye coordination, but I, unfortunately I have the last name or I should say, unfortunately, but I was gifted the last name Bender and in the hockey world, you know, every time I'm going out to skate, I have that name on the back of my jersey mm -hmm. and it's like, Oh, it's, it's gotta be a joke. It's like, no. It's not my really. real name. <laughs> not really. And in the soccer world in Eastern Canada, a bender was uh, how you can, you know, move the ball in the air on a free kick or direct kick or something. I like that better. Let's, let's yeah. go with that. Um, That'd be your answer. So, so with those two really athletic backgrounds you were brought up on, there's a lot of cardio. There's a lot of, of pushing yourself. There's a lot of sustain, which is coincidentally on your shirt <laughs> right now. I know Coach Chase wanted to talk a little bit more about that. You've, you've done so much around those programs, um, you know, the aerobic systems, all these different types of systems. Can you talk about um, why sustaining either a goal or your overall fitness is so important, especially in nowadays with, with what could be looked at like an oversaturated fitness program all, all over the world? Why is sustain so important? Um. Well, sustain stands for more things than just, uh, you know, lang language of aerobic capacity or uh, aerobic improvements. Um, and once you get inside CCP, you start recognizing that. From the outside, it looks like I'm an aerobic maniac, right? Um, if I had, and I just want to clarify too, before I get to the answer on that, um, it's just because I, I need to clarify that based upon how I see movement and how I see physical expression. So, yeah, I did sports that required capacity. But the first thing that I did in order to rehab my mind and my body was iron, right? And I spent from 1992 till, I don't know, 2015, I don't know, whatever you want to say, like studying with the best in the world along with doing research particular to iron and resistance. So although it looks like I preach an aerobic uh, prophecy, all my base support is based upon the scientific evidence around resistance training and the application of that because it does have a part to play in the entire thing. Now I'll back up and understand sustain. Sustain means the conceptual idea that we should be doing movement such that we can do it forever. And if you're not, then you better have a good answer as to why you're not focusing on sustainability inside the utility of the system, which is what we're calling fitness. Okay. So, so for example, I think it's cool that you snatch really heavy three times a week for eight years. That's cool. Right. Can you do it for 70 years? And, and the immediate answer to that is like, 
who fucking cares? Right. And I am just the person who likes to dig into that answer. Right. And no one else does. Why? Because it's not entertaining to talk about the other 62 years. Well, let's dig in. Why? Because it's fucking real. Right. It's real. Meaning like you could put all your energy into talking about eight years of snatching three times a week, which is all fair and good. If you want to be really good at that, you have to do that. That's the other, that's the other like coin to it. Right. And so when I say sustain, it actually doesn't virtue signal anything but critical thinking on what you're defining as the long-term goal. That's really what I'm, what I, what I mean when I say sustain. So I just need to clarify that. Yeah. Correct, me if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure as you would anyway. Uh, but uh, are you kind of talking about performance versus longevity there? You're like, uh, yes. Like in, in the that, context yeah. of when people get it messed up, right? Right. It's yeah. The, you know, fast adaptation, get in, get hot, you know, tax all biological reserves. Why? Because you need to, right? You can't, you can't be like, ah, you know, I think I'm like, I may train once this week, right? right. I'm concerned about my knees. Who, what 25 year old says that, right? <laughs> they Not don't. me at 25. No, <laughs> they don't. Neither did I. It's like, how, how many, can I fucking do four sessions a day at four? Why not five? You know what I'm saying? I was like, this is what we think about. Why? Because our intentions, whether conscious or not, are based upon maximal physical expression beyond capabilities. Yeah. Caveat, caveat is that actual practice is unsustainable. Yep. Unsustainable. And that, that pulls well, at people's emotions, right? It's because they're like, you can't tell me I'm unsustainable. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually I can't, but let me talk to you in six years and then sure shit what happens after six years, right? Like, you're fucking right, man. My fucking knees are all fucked up and I can't figure out how to do cycling anymore. You know, it's like, okay, well. So uh, that's a, that's a funny time frame you picked because I'm 31 right now. So it's six years after I was 25. And you just bought an expensive bike, didn't you? <laughs> no, but I am, I'm doing a lot of, uh, a lot of tempo and heavy, slow resistance stuff, um, working to make my knee hundred percent again. So thanks for calling me out there. Oh no, without, 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 <laughs> no. You. no, man, we all, live I know. we all, live no, I, I know it's but, just but it's funny coincidence. Of, yeah. You got to think about the, you got to remember everyone sees the world differently and everyone is at a different level of development and how they see the world. Right. So yes. you can't, you can't expect us to preach to an audience of 23 year olds about how important it is for them to have good hips when they're 50. Like, just think about like that. They're yeah. like, what, <laughs> what dude? Like, I, I just, I just know orange theory. I just know zones, right? I just know picking people up. You know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get lucky because I'm going to meet someone in this group. Like, why are you talking to me around 50? You see what I'm saying? So um, that's the, that's what I mean is that we also have to be recognized that for multiple different reasons, we could discuss another time or maybe today, you know, why is that, why is that inside of society? and our cultural thinking, right? Well, our lenses shape our perception and then perception is reality, right? Kind of, <laughs> to, to each individual. I mean, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. yeah. James, do you think, do you think, and in, in talking back, cause I grew up in a very athletic background too, um, basketball, football, baseball, all wrestling. Do you think that when we're younger that that might be instilled if you, we see a lot of people that are athletic they've competed in a lot of different backgrounds do you think that there is some symmetry between you know the foundational you know show up to work every day you know practice 100 percent, and then those 23 year olds get into that phase outside of sports that they pick up 
CrossFit. It's like kind of the next uh, natural progression. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I would just say that I agree that that's possible that that could be in the minds of younger individuals. Um, but I'll, but I'll also say that there's also six and a half other billion people that didn't choose that route. <laughs> and so then you got to say, well, what's so special about those people choosing that route? Right. Okay. So what I would say is that inside their minds, there's probably some essence of this connection to mission and freedom and a true physical expression that they don't even know why they're doing it, but that's what they feel. They can't even explain it. So when you're 30, you can explain it. When you're 18, you can't explain it, but it's the exact same feeling. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. why I meant that the, your eyes and your perception colors how you see things. So most definitely what we learn as young little sacrificial meat sacks, <laughs> we definitely pull into like being adults and I think you're raising a point, which is not probably your point of asking that question, but it's at that 20 year old time where we need to pull these humans aside, right? And have like a really, really good conversation on perception, longevity, how fitness can serve you for the things you want to do. And there is a path, there is a path that's a good one that can still give you these feelings of what you've brought to the table right now but it's not the same intentions. Let me tell you, it's a different intention now. So I would agree that um, based upon the market tech, you know, information technology, et cetera, who got on board to this concept in the, in the early aughts, it was definitely the late 20 year olds, right? It was, it was like, I, I know what tech is now. This is mass produced. I want to be popular too. It was a perfect execution time to push that out. Where back to my point, all those people probably should have had a real heart to heart with a good coach at that time yeah. around like, whoa, 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 let's, what's our intentions around why we're doing this now. Right. Um, yeah. and you know, you know why it ended up in that way. Um, the athlete lifestyle and the hijacking of that concept inside of fitness, which has no place for it. Well, I, I mean, you're speaking from experience here, right? I mean, you, you dove in, you dove into the Kool-Aid, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. And I fuck, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh yeah. Yeah. I have no, I have no resentment uh, of, uh, well, I have resentment for a lot of things inside of it. I'm not going to lie and say that doesn't have thoughts in my head. Um, but no, I'd loved every moment of that uh, opportunity. It's just that uh, um, I wish though, if there was a wish that someone, um, when I started my path towards that in the thirties um, could have like reached into the future, but because it wasn't an experience that a million people had done, right? Then we were just playing with this new tool and we had no idea. We had no oh, yeah. idea. Yeah. And I, I, that, that age group, right in those, those 23, right in that, that level, um, you know, you, you're not thinking about the future. You have that cavalier mindset. It's like, well, how, how am I going to get many more Instagram followers? How am I going to get the most out of, out yeah. of uh, my body now? And then I'll worry about the repercussions later. So yeah. you said, you know, if you had a good coach, maybe that, that, mindset may have been a little bit different from that point but what do you what 30, do you got 30 i said i i, I said okay. i needed like a soothsayer not a coach i needed someone who was in the future <laughs> saying <laughs> just Hold a second on. now you won't get a heart on for like two years in a row every morning like just a second you know um if, if someone told me that at 30 i'd be like uh <laughs> that's that's scary um if, if the, what yeah. is what is opex doing around maybe to 
to to shed some light and give the power to the coaches that are that are buying into your program. What are you guys doing to help maybe change that mindset um, of hey, you know, your body's a precious thing. We're we're meat sacks, right? But you know, let's get the long the longest ride out of these meat sacks that we can, and being able yeah. to move, play with our children, you know, pick your kids up, go to the grocery store. That's where I bought in, and listening to a lot of your podcasts, it's like, you know, I've only had CrossFit experience CrossFit blinders on and then you kind of step back and you're like well there's a lot of, of positive things that sport offers but there's a whole other story that people may not be opening their minds to so that's that's where you know I've aligned a lot of of my um, thinking with yours and I just wanted to get your opinion on that just uh you know what what are the OPEX coaches doing now to really help change that landscape yeah, well, you think you just used a word in your last sentence there of mind. That's really the global idea is to um, just get coaches to be more critical thinkers about how the principles should be the base support of all the decision making in all your prescriptions. That's the that's it. <laughs> I don't know any other way to answer it. So <laughs> we're just trying to. I'm essentially trying to get these groups of people to be online, to watch videos and to practice their shit in their own garage, their own gym. And for them to listen to me so they can hear something and go, uh, yeah, let me think harder about that now. You see that? So now they've taken the space because someone has told them to take the space to like really think big picture about this. And if you slap principles underneath that, we just talked about a few previously to this conversation, right? Around max physical potential. What does a sport mean? What does a human mean, et cetera. Then, then, they, then they now start thinking really well around what the best prescription is for that person. So what is our ultimate goal? Is to make just humans more critical thinkers prior to their prescription so that they give another human some things that they could download and put inside their brain and activate and do that makes them autonomous long-term. That makes these people navigate this fucking crazy thing spinning at thousands of miles an hour yeah. uh, really well for a finite time period. That's what we're, that's what we're looking to do. I, I, I picked up an article too on, on your website. You had recently, I didn't dive too deep into it. I was hoping you could um, unpack it a little bit. But, you know, it's, it's kind of inevitable talking about um, fitness now and then obviously with, with the pandemic going on. How is, is um, this pandemic challenging professional fitness coaches in which, which Chase is a professional fitness coach? Everyone under, under him strives to be a professional fitness coach. So if you can help us understand and others who will listen to this, you know, what are the challenges that that we're facing in this profession and how can it, how, how do you think the fitness industry will, will come out of this as a whole? Cool, man. I don't, I don't think we can cover on this call. Uh, <laughs> no, just to be honest, and I'm not sidewinding. No. The question is just, no. you know, uh, but, but, but I'll go, I'll back up and then you can ask me the second part of your question. Cause I think I can chew on that one a tiny bit. Um, Man, it's, it's just a big wake-up call to my, not only mine, but this real big issue with our lack of value of a coach and the definition of what fitness coaching is, right? That's what, that's what now, I've, I sat down on a couch for a lot of weeks now by myself and thought, like, is that just my lens, right? And it's not, right? And you, you have to go outside of your bubble. You have to go global. You have to look at everything that's going on and ask that question again 
and it still comes back to that being true. There's no definition of a fitness coach and the value of a coach is the biggest, biggest issue here. What you see present seemingly looks like challenges, right? But it's not. What's, what's present as the challenges is a reflection as to what is wrong in fitness, which is we have not developed relationships with other humans that a coach gives that information to someone and in return they learn and there's the fair trade agreement and that's the fitness life cycle. But all we're doing is arguing over all the shit that surrounds that. And I'll just give you an example of, you know, no one's asking the, the systems out there that are retaining all their clients, right? So why don't you go to those systems and say, how are you retaining all your clients during this period? Do you know how they're retaining clients? They have a real relationship. And if your answer to that is like, oh, you know, we don't get into that psycho babble or, you know, I'd rather spend our time on getting better at Zoom and figuring out how to work this thing. That doesn't mean you're right because you don't want to listen to what your issues are with relationship building and fitness coaching. You know what I'm saying? So I think that is the biggest challenge. That's, and that, listen, that's my lens, right? That's my lens from where I sit. Um, but I've done a fairly in-depth accuracy assessment of my own lens by asking other people who are not in my bubble and speaking to coaches around the world to get a pulse on that. And that's our biggest, I think, the hard problem within fitness is the value of the coach. And if I was to say, oh, here's, here's the challenges. Uh, we can't do group classes with Zoom. We can't, you know, sure, those are challenges. But in my mind, that's not the challenge. That's not the, that's not the biggest issue. What you're talking about is, is symptoms, right? It's just the, it's, it's issues in sickness. And you're, you, maybe not you, uh, but uh, we're trying to come up with ways to duct tape it again. Right. It's like, Oh, go online, do a, do a startup online and now market online and we can go online, get true coach and, and you're agile and you're, you know, this is how you do it. No, that's not how you do it. That's not how you do it. You know how you do it. You build relationships with people, you build relationships with people. And then no matter what happens that sustains. Sure. There's an argument for economic insecurity and social status and et cetera. That has a part to play with it. But that's marginal, marginal in the conversation. Right. So I apologize that that's where my brain only goes for what are the challenges that are presented for coaches during this period of time. And I think you asked something on the back end of your question that I'd like to uh, discuss if you remember what that second portion was. Yeah, it, it was, how do you think, and please don't apologize. We, we want you to talk. This is why we have you on here. Um, the second part of that question was, how do you think the fitness industry will either sustain itself and or change after a pandemic? Yeah, uh, I'm more of a pessimist on that, um, just based upon the options that are available. So what could be? I also know that we really can't tell. It's like, I can't tell what the market's going to do or what the perception is going to be. But, but this is how you determine uh, just in concept about a human, right? And you use that as a parallel concept to what's going to happen in fitness, right? So if you're to say to me, um, this person has had really shitty habits for 30 years, right? Just toxic really shitty, you know where I'm going, right? Oh, yeah. You know, do you expect someone to be at home for eight weeks, come out the other side of that and have all these new behaviors? Not a fucking chance in hell. So when you say, what's fitness going to do on the back end of this like little period? Nothing, nothing, right? All you're going to see is more opportunities for some guy who lives in Florida in a mansion to make money on a commercialized system 
that churns people through the whole process, including coaches and clients. That's what I see is going to be opportunistic, right? Um, so will you, be, will you have a minority of people that will survive and make it through? And will they be able to signal, we made it through and this is the reason why, you know, we'll be, we'll be that group, right? We're a little tiny little thing, right? But there'll be a shit ton of unconscious users still in fitness looking for their next fix of movement um, and sacrificial offerings for, for uh, this useless process of short-term gains. Well, uh, around that, um, it's, it's about intent for the individual, right? Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of those... Individual based upon what they want to do for fitness? Yeah. And, and yeah. why? Yeah. And is part of that, that sacrificial and that churn for individuals and coaches part of a... They, they can't find what, where their intent is. There's a mis, misalignment yeah. there. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, and this is the, this goes back to the hard question, right? Remember I said, like, we're just at a period of time where how fitness is defined. We have now, like, I, I just say it generations deep of humans, right? Not just like the current 23 year olds, right? Generations deep. So since like 1945 or actually after JFK said, we need to be a stronger nation. It's been fucking downhill the whole time, okay? And I say we, meaning I'm now a permanent residence looking to be a citizen. I want to clarify what I mean by that. But I do know the history around physical culture, right? And in the Western world, that was the concept. And we have become more weak overall as a group, yet it seemingly looks like we're participating more in activity, right? So what is that telling you? It tells you, back to your point, Chase, yeah, the intentions are totally off as to why we do fitness and that's the hard problem because fitness for generations deep has served a purpose of uh, duct taping and fixing bad behaviors which doesn't make fitness intentions correct like yay you finished your workout like yay we're in a group and this is community it doesn't make all those things right the intentions are still incorrectly aligned right and I put those two things in there because people are like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we have lots of people around us who do it for the right reasons. Really? Have you sat down with them for 90 minutes and said, tell me really why you do fitness? And then they're like, oh, because my friends do it. No, tell me really why you do fitness. Oh, it's because I just want to look good naked. Tell me really why you do it. I have fucking no idea why I do it. Stop asking that question. That's the answers you get back when you go over. You know see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and yeah. as a coach, I'd be like, great. At least we cleared that up right? Let's not fucking dance for five years and do useless back and forth shit. And I take your money and you go through this and then you're off somewhere and I find someone new to come in. You know, um, I think that's where the, the, yeah, that, that's, that's the issue. It's intentions on fitness alignment. And yeah, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to stop oh, on like aligning the process of it, but I'm just, I'm a realist too, right? I'm 46. Yeah. I won't be around in 40 years, maybe 35, whatever. So I, I say it all the time, and I'm clear on that. I probably will not be alive to see a global general movement towards an appreciation for physical expression. Why? Because we can and because it's for us. Yeah. I, I will not be around for that, right? Is there, is there 3% Gattaca style I can see happening in 20 years that'll be the case? Yep, for sure, I do. Where it's like the elites and people who got money and they got their own Peloton and home gym and home trainer and it all comes packaged up and it's probably on a phone. Yeah, I can see that happening. Uh, I don't see the 
sorry to be dystopic on that, but I don't see it happening. Nothing is giving me indications it's going to change and go that direction. Well, I, I don't think it's even sh- started to shift until, towards that direction. Sorry, until no. we have a zombie apocalypse. And then, <laughs> and then people will be like, who's that motherfucker talking about sustain? That's important. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey I need to sustain my life. Yeah. Right? I, need to yeah. run, I need to run for days, right? Yeah, yeah we'll be picking out all the, all the people who can sustain for hours, you know? Well, I'm getting served up ads because they must be just going after gym owners or for a boxing gym that they're looking for investors. And it's a boxing gym that also has a bar in it. You get free margarita shots afterward. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk. Yeah, it's just an example of like, this is the perception of fitness, right? Think about that. Think about 30 people in my community will get that ad. They're like, this is fucking cool. Do you see right. that? Like, that is so fucked up in behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm on an ivory tower making that statement, right? By saying like, oh, that's messed up behaviors. What is good behaviors? What is good behaviors? Again, physical challenges that allow you to navigate this thing better, make good decisions, and live long and prosper. That's pretty simple. Does alcohol post-exercise have a part to play in that? Eh, you got you to gotta really stretch that one out to discuss exactly <laughs> why you're doing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Is it possible people may do the boxing and then over years be like, oh, I had these great thoughts today on survival and, and uh, how you probably needed to know how to fight to actually like live and reproduce at one point in time. And these things are a great expression for me. And now I'm starting to see the benefits of not having alcohol after and treating this physical expression as something I want to do for 40 years. So is there a chance that there'll be a small group of people that happen to? Definitely. But it's really yeah. tiny. Really tiny. Yep. Yeah. With, with, uh, and going back to, and that, that was great. Um, with our members, you know, I really want to give them, give them, um, a shout out too. And what we're, we've been doing is before all this, cause if you're, if you're just starting to try to relationship build at this point and you're a gym owner or you're a coach, you know, that you're going to be way, way behind the game and you might as well not at this point. But what we really do is we ask those questions when we're onboarding and we're, we're going, we're talking to our members, our new members, whomever it might be. What are your goals? Do they still align with what you were doing months ago? Do they still, you know, are we still moving in that direction? Did something change? You know, what, what can we do to be better? But we're always trying to stay one step ahead. So, you know, we're not tripping over our own tails, but, you know, we, we've been fortunate enough and we have a great, and, and this word gets thrown around a lot, community, but we have a, a, a really, we do hold ourselves accountable for how our members get treated, how we should be looking at, at the new landscape too. Chase, do you want to comment on that? Well, we're, we're not using the word community as we go out and get shit faced twice a month. So we call ourselves a community. Right. Um, yeah, we, uh, we live and breathe taking care of our members and making sure that they are, that, you know, I mean, that we have good noticings and that their needs are met and that that whole cycle continues as they have new needs and new goals that come up. And that, I mean, that, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think that's what you were getting at with relationship building with gyms. And that's, that's who's going to come out the other side of this. Yeah, for sure. I, you'd have to define in all, not just your system, but in all, um, you have to define impact, right? Yeah. You have to define it when you say success. Okay. Yeah. And you have to define what your definition is of autonomy. Now, it doesn't mean I won't have conversations with you if you don't do that. But to my point, regardless of who you guys are, I don't give a shit about what you're doing or your definition of community until you define impact, success, and who is successful and autonomy. 
right? So if you're like, for example, people could contribute as coaches, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking totally altruistic, right? You can contribute as a coach and make severe impact, right? But if you don't track what you teach to people and how they do over time, do you see how it's actually useless in your definition of impact? You see that? All you're doing is soapboxing, right? All you're doing is like, yeah, I do this to help people and they're going to get healthier. Oh, really? So did you track them after 10 years? No, they just went somewhere else. Oh, so what you proposed to help them with actually wasn't a good strategy. You see my point? So people are a little afraid of defining what impact means and success. And you know where I go on that, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm right at the heart of the coach. So if whatever your system is doesn't allow a coach to become a professional and put fucking braces on their kids, then I'm going to work you backwards to define exactly why you're doing what you're doing inside your business system. Right. And then the autonomy one is a little bit more uncomfortable because like, you know, Chase, if you've heard me talk about in CCP, yeah. you know, people immediately are getting like, Oh, you know, so we're going to get rid of clients. Like, yeah, that's the long-term goal because that's your inside goal where as clients are leaving the gym every day, they should have downloaded something that allows them to navigate out there better, which yeah, means I mean- that, the better they can do it out there, the less they need you to download stuff inside their head, right? So then, then you start defining, well, so that means after four or five years, they probably should learn enough to like do shit on their own in their home gym. Yes. Yes, right? Do they need you to be like, oh, elbows up, elbows up, you know, after five years, maybe, you know what I'm saying? So the, the, I just wanted to point out the, you asked me the question on like, you indirectly asked me what my thoughts were on that. You have to define impact, success, and autonomy and success for everyone, business, coach, and client. And of course, autonomy for the client has to be built inside there. Yeah. That's a great point about autonomy. You know, so many gym owners or coaches will be, well, Oh, they're, they're leaving and they're just going and working out in their home gym. Like, cool. You did your job. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to tell them to eat broccoli. Yeah. Like they know that. And you know, the, ma- the, 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 the mastery goal, if you think it's complex for like teaching people how to get a ring muscle up, you should really wrap your hands around, well, what is the goal of mastery for humans long-term? And now it starts to become liberating as a coach. You feel this like deeper collective sense of what you're doing, right? When yep. you start teaching people who are going to teach their kids about shit, think about that. That fucking gets hairs up on my back because oh, yeah. that's, that's the real definition of impact, right? You are collectively really changing wireframes and fucking spider webs, whatever you want to call it. You're reaching out further than your own voice, right? So if you want to say, what is that and what's inside of that, every fucking moment you have with a client, you have to get them on board with becoming self-evident to how they become self-responsible, right? So that over time, they just fucking can't shut up about you and what you're doing and how they can teach other people. Do you see what I mean? That's the snowball effect, but they're actually not clients anymore. Why? Because they can do shit on their own, right? It's a butterfly effect. Yeah. For, yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, yes, as the, as the affect, you know, because okay, yeah. the butterfly effect is anti-fragile models of, of okay. randomness that ends up right. people becoming successful from randomness. But I get your point. Yeah. Is that it leads to that as an affect. I, I agree. Okay. Yeah. It's fair. That's a, that's a good point. And that's, we really, we've to track those things. I mean, for my own personal experience, I, I am so passionate. Like I said, I've been in athletics for a long time. Um, when Chase opened up the gym in 2014, you know, I, I jumped on board and I was like, how can I help? 
And it wasn't until last, about this time last year, I became a coach. Uh, I got my cross at level one and, and that bar it's, it's a good, it's a good weekend program, but you know, I'm, I'm always hungry and trying to learn more. Mm-hmm. And especially from what I consider our coaches to be professionals in that industry, you know, how can I keep learning after, you know, I'm granted a certificate and here you go, John, now, now you can tell people to keep their elbows up and, yeah. you know, and that's what I really am looking at your CCP. And I was fortunate enough to go into one of your OPEX gyms in uh, North Carolina, just outside of Charlotte. Um, like I was like, Hey, I have nowhere to work out. I'm on true coach. My, my head coach is on big dogs with coach Sam Smith. So I'm just like name dropping everybody. And he's like, yeah, dude, come on in. Um, and I got to talk to your coaches, um, what you guys are doing to change that fitness industry and really just, just bought in. They're like, if you are wanting to challenge yourself and take yourself into a fitness profession where you can sustain and make money for yourself and also make an impact. Here's what I would do. And they, they literally had like the cross at level one at the bottom and then all this other certifications leading up to it. And I'm like, wow, I want to attack that. So with, with what your program does with CCP, can you talk a little bit about how it would, it's benefiting those coaches and helping them sustain a, a lifestyle in that sense? Yeah. Um, well, you, you, I got to really answer it as to what's inside CCP and then people could say, so let's back up. What is CCP? CCP are principles, right? Okay. So you just think if you, if you have principles in place, then it's like a, it's like a, um, it's a springboard to all your prescriptions, right? That, that's the base support that you work with, right? And if sort of move it over into a, you know, a somewhat controversial, you know, argument, but Judeo-Christian values, right? That's, that's a base support that people use as a, as a sounding board to say, how do we live our life, right? So, and, and we don't need to argue if it's right or wrong. It's just, that's a fucking framework, right? So what is CCP? And I'm sorry I used the example because it, it just fucking sounds worse in the same sense, <laughs> yeah. but a lot of people can understand that, right? It's like, what is your actual base support, right? So what is CCP? It's base principles, what is a relationship? How do you assess people? How do you design? How do you nourish them? How do you wrap business around that? Out. So if you have those principles, honestly, my belief is if you add experience to that, meaning being in the trenches, learning, working with what you know and how you can help people currently where you are, I would argue you don't need a lot else. I would argue you don't need a lot else. Now, I need to clear up what I mean by that, which needs to be clear because People think because there's 650 different education courses available today, that that's what you need to do to become a really worthwhile coach. Guess where you go to the answer as to what you need to have as a lifetime coach. It's the definition of success in fitness for a relationship. What do most humans need today? They need a guidance. They need a leader. They need someone who's going to tell them the basic lifestyle guidelines. Dude, I can fucking teach anyone that in 30 minutes, 30 minutes, right? But the, but the education industry and fitness makes it super fucking complex, super complex. You got to have six years. You got to fucking these letters behind your name. You got to know all this shit. No, you don't. That's for 1.5% of every fucking human on this planet, right? Specialized in hockey, uh, rehab, medicines. I get it. Do your eight-year degree. Work with those people. But when it comes to fitness, holy fuck, step backwards, drop your knee to the ground, stand back. 
That's a lunge. You got it? Good. Go teach a thousand people that. Oh, you know, VMO and diaphragm kit. What the fuck? Like, where are you going with your questions on that? <laughs> no, but I mean, it sounds humorous, but listen, yeah, I, I sold all these programs, right? I sold all these programs. So what's the answer to, you know, what should that lifestyle look for a coach and what should they actually be downloading in their head back to your point on, on education? I think it's six months, it's $5,000 and it's called OPEC CCP. Now, can you do other shit outside of that? Sure. But you better come back to me and say, this is what I learned and this is what an upgrade is. Because I'll argue till I'm blue in the face that there's principles embedded inside of what you just learned. And if you actually just went back to the principles, you could just apply whatever you want going forward. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's where it gets, that's where it, it, it like use the word, that's where the fuckery is because you go to a weekend course for three days on snatch and clean and jerk and you think that's the fucking answer for health. Like people really do leave and they're like, listen, this is, this is what we have to do. It's like, what, what, like what, why I've never, I haven't touched you anything around people's expression and like, uh, you know, what should they be doing for movements forever? What can they express as movements forever? What the fuck does the snatch have to do with living when you're 85? You see all these questions should arise. You shouldn't have answers based upon what you just learned. Now, of course I just use clean and jerk and snatch as an example, right? It's not saying you can't get good things from it, but I'm just saying like, it'll be a kettlebell course. It'll be a DNS or something like, Oh, that's the fucking, I need to know this. And that's secret shit that I need to download in clients. And what do those clients need? <laughs> Dude, don't forget to eat your broccoli out. Like that's the, that's the answer. Right. And this is a good lunge and this is a good bending pattern. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. They need to go frustrated. for walks in the My sun and eat their broccoli. Yeah. My humor is frustrated. I, act, I actually am, I come across as making you humorous, but I have a deep, you know, uh, issue with that whole concept. And you, you know, the biggest reason is a personal one because I fucking sold that for so long. That's the bigger issue. I get that. Um, you know, and it was only two or maybe three years for myself, but we opened up as a CrossFit affiliate and I sold that. You know, it was, and we're still, we still carry our affiliation, but we're doing things a lot differently around here. Um, and uh, it's, we sold that. We, hey, go hard till you're blue in the face. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. You know, it's, yeah. it's not, and that's. Yeah, there's not, and there's nothing, there's nothing to be learned in that. That's the thing no, is like, there's, there's, there's nothing, nothing sustainable about that. Around, you know, and get excited about, you're basically just dancing. I mean, just open up a nightclub, right? Just turn on music and open up a nightclub and serve your alcohol. There you go. Because that's basically what it is, right? It's, get same rush. We, uh, ecstasy to that. I, I definitely, I definitely do appreciate your humor. Um, especially like shouting out to broccoli in the beginning of some of your, of your podcast episodes. Like, Hey, you know, today we're sponsored by water. Drink it. You know, <laughs> it's like, Oh, Oh, it's just, it's so simple and it gets so watered down and saturated, but that's, that's what we appreciate. You know, you're just keeping that baseline level. Um, and that's not hard as well. My point is right. Like, yeah, just, just, just drink water, right? wake up and drink 16 ounces. You're off to a good start. And that, that was Great segue, Chase. That's where I wanted to also uh, talk about rituals. You know, I, I understand rituals are a huge part, especially now. You know, a lot of people out of work, um, kind of not getting that social communication, which is what we're, we're social animals, right? We need that capability. We need to be able to connect. How important are rituals? What are some of your rituals look like? And, and anything else you want to comment on that? 
Yeah, uh, ooh, rhythm is big. Rhythm fixes a lot of issues. Um, and if you look at the overarching characteristics inside of functional medicine, which I studied for many years, just to look at the, the nuances inside of that middle zone between, you know, allopathic medicine and like medicine medicine. Um, it's that fundamentally they create rhythm for people, either in behaviors or nutraceuticals or something, right? It's even, even the repetition of medicine is a behavioral ritual that actually creates success, right? So rhythm is deeply embedded in us biologically based upon the sun and the moon, right? And it's got, it, and the reason why I love it is that it transcends all of our beliefs. That's why I love about it. And if you don't believe me, try staying awake for four days and see how good you do with driving. You know what I mean? That sounds humorous, but it's like, oh yeah, fucking, I don't need much sleep. It's like, yeah, okay, we'll try it. And let's see how that works. So there's biological you know, deep pieces inside a rhythm. And that's where it starts. The sun and the moon, right? And there's rhythm of a day. And interestingly enough, uh, females have rhythm throughout a month that males don't have. Ooh, you know, that these raise all these really important questions like, is rhythm actually important? And when we go back and say, is rhythm important, recognizing that it starts from a biological construct, really, of that, meaning biology, meaning life and nature, et cetera, um, then you could see that it actually will fix almost everything. Everything. That's a strong statement, but it will fix almost everything. Okay. Now, is there some things it won't fix? No. Uh, Anti-fragile theory will have something different to say about that. Right. But I'll, I also have some points to that inside of fitness and biological belief as well. Um, but it'll fix everything. Rituals in this period of time are super important because when people take as a global, let's take a global avatar of humans. And they go from this like living, yeah, this is life, and holy fuck, now this is life. The one thing that will fix most of the issues, cognitive issues and physical issues through that, is trying to repeat the same things you were doing prior to this. Guess what disrupts immune system the most is changes in rhythm. Changes in rhythm. So someone lives in North America for seven months of the year and then travels for three weeks in a row all over the fucking continent. Guess what happens? They get sick. Is it because of the air travel? No. It's an unbelievable structure shift in their rhythm, biological rhythm connected to how they operate to this thing in the sun and the moon, right? Now, medicine won't tell you that, right? Medicine will be like, oh, you're fucking sick because it's flu season, or you don't have this medicine, or you you know, that's what they'll tell you. You know the real reason? You fucking shouldn't have traveled around the planet. You know, <laughs> you've been on this place for seven months. So rhythm will fix everything. So as a, like a little prescription there for people moving from pre-COVID to COVID, try to do the same shit if you can, even if it's consciously intentional, that'll help support really good behaviors so that on the other end of this and there will be this will pass you'll be able to flow back into a good state over time and those that don't put up with this change really well and imply this rhythm in all the things they do will suffer the consequences economically physically immune system wise which is somewhat unfortunate in a lot of cases but it's reality right um so my rituals have not changed that much. The only real thing that I'll, and I'll just end on it. The only real thing that's changed is that I'm home earlier in the day because I'm not coaching athletes on the floor in the afternoon. So I'm finishing at 1231 and I'm home playing with my girls in the afternoon because they seemingly now have only two hours of school, which used to be five and six, which is a fucking whole other question. <laughs> um, so, but, but I love it because I get to play with them now more and we get to work out more and it's just fun. 
And I know, I know right. Chase is trying to jump in and say something, but hope you know, hopefully every day I'm boring, but that's rhythmical for me. That's, so. that's good. That's I, well, good. I, hope, I was going to say, I'm going to cut you off. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that, uh, we didn't pay him to say that if anybody, any of our members or anybody who follows us on social media, we've been preaching that. So that, that wasn't a setup that whole, uh, rhythm lecture. Oh, great. So you guys have been saying like, just try to keep things as, you know, wake up the same time, exercise just, like you were in classes, et cetera. I yeah. just made oh, yeah. the same, I just made a post about waking up at the same time every day this morning for yeah. probably like the fifth time since this started. So super. Yeah. And, and what I wanted to say, and I hope, hope your family's staying safe. You guys are staying healthy. I mean, for you at, at the head of that ship and, and maybe your wife is too at the head of that, um, that you guys are all are staying healthy. So first and foremost, but it, and I had a question. Are you, did you move to Arizona because potentially that's, that's on that rhythm? There's no uh, standard time, um, or I'm sorry. Uh, daylight savings. Daylight savings, yeah, thank you. There's no daylight savings. savings. No, it, it, was, it was based upon the sun, though. <laughs> right, But not yeah. the rhythm of the sun and moon. Um, you know, we, the people here are unbelievable. Uh, America has been an unbelievable base support for me and my family. We have nothing but respect for what this country stands for and it's reflected in how we were absorbed as a family for what we want to do. Um, and I have to say that because that was actually a part of like the pull is to find a place where we could like settle in and really build something that's powerful beyond just my family, my nuclear family. Um, we get 310 days a year of full sun and no clouds. Like I, sorry, but that's fucking reality here. <laughs> Another day is this, this week, like it's going to be 98 to hundred for six days in a row now. Um, with like, you know, in the shade is just unbelievable, et cetera. No, it was that that pulled me here. Um, besides at, by 2011, remember I had spent like 16 really fucking hard years building numerous businesses, numerous coaches, an online system, CCP, where the in-person stuff, I was actually at the moderating point of exhausted versus wanting to move on to something bigger. So I sold all my local assets off to my brother and the other two CrossFits to the other co-owners. Um, and the other places was within side of OPT, which my brother owns. Um, and I went fully online and fully remote coaching from 2011 here in AZ. We started with two people, me and Max, who was a client of mine. And then he became a coach with me. Um, and he assisted me in that process of getting up to speed. And then it turned into three. Now we have 32 employees and um, a robust business. And uh, we're looking to do this thing for decades, not just a couple of years. And, and you've definitely left your mark on, uh, you know, on myself and, and Chase. It's, it's been cool just to follow you around and, and what you've been talking about on, on the OPEX podcast, on the Big Dogs podcast. So uh, you're definitely, I, I feel like, you know, whatever you're saying, I, I definitely want to unwrap a little bit. Um, touching back on, on immune systems, which, you know, everyone is very quick to, you know, and, and if there is a vaccine, when the vaccine comes out, that's, that'll be all well and good, you know hopefully that the best intentions are behind that. What I've been telling my family, my friends is what can, we're in a battle right now, right? What can we do to make sure that our immune systems are fully ready to go into battle? What are some things that, you know, that you've seen as successful, right? Traveled around the world, not, not the greatest thing to do if, if you have uh, immune susceptibility, but you know, what are some other, other things that you can do to help bolster that immune system? Yeah, I would say, uh, it's back to the previous thing we talked about is to be consistent in whatever your practices were. Yep. So boosting is actually the wrong word, right? What we should say is we need an, an assessment as to how resilient we are, right? 
And so you would look back and go for the past six weeks, like what I've been doing for eating and whatever. And my actual prescription may alarm people, but I would say do nothing different. I would argue that going from a shitty lifestyle and whatever we want to call it, we want to judge it whatsoever to a complete haul over right now is actually yeah. the worst thing for people to do. That okay. will actually be invaders to your system, right? Cause people think immunity is just like, Oh, virus. No foods are an invader. Air is an invader. Cognitive thought is an invader. Physical training is an invader. You see that? So all of these things are perceived stressors that I don't want someone who has no concept of how their defense systems are fucking that up. So I would just tell people, if you want to develop a strong immune system over the next six weeks, don't change a fucking thing right now. Don't change a thing, right? And that includes if you need to get Doritos in the afternoon because you were, uh, yes, I'm picking that battle, right? I'm picking that battle if we want to get nitpicky on it, right? Yeah. Um, so if you're like, oh, so are you saying, you know, if they had broccoli in the afternoon, wouldn't it? Well, it's a raw vegetable. Um, it's fucking, if it's not cooked, it has high fiber. Um, and someone who hasn't had, you know, more than 25 grams of fiber average, and now all of a sudden they're pumping another 20 grams of fucking trees into their gut. What is that going to do? That's going to make them sick. Yeah. That's what's going to make, see, my point is like, oh, okay. So, so what you're saying, it takes while for people to develop behaviors and a microflora that sets a good tune for immune system. Yes. It takes a fucking long time to do it. Right. My example previously, the person that had shit lifestyle for 30 years and now you're like, we're going to get fit in six months. It's like, no, it's probably gonna take about 12 years to reformat your entire gut. Right. Wow. 12 years, not like six months of a citricidal probiotic protocol, a long time. Right. It's going to take me a year to get you off the fucking crack, first of all, and then three years to help you develop good behaviors. And then the last eight years, you're on your own, right? And yep. if you come back and ask me something in three years about what kind of fucking sausage to get a Whole Foods, I'll punch you with it. I'll pull it out and like hit you with it, right? Actually, you can't punch someone with a sausage. It wouldn't, wouldn't work, but I don't know. You squeeze it at them and it just like land in their <laughs> Good visual. But so that's what I would say for immunity. I would say don't change a thing, you know, and, uh, and just allow people to wrap their heads around that one for a bit. That's a, that's a great point that any change in any stressor is a hit to the immunity system. Because you got to remember, we, all three of us did nothing, but society did something, right? That we did not control that. So you have to say, how is each human putting up with that change? That's what we need to do as coaches, right? And that's where I go in my belief on the individualized prescription for behaviors. Because someone's going to come in, dude, to your facility or your Zoom call and be as stressed as fuck over this thing, right? And you never picked up on that on them for three years, right? You never picked it up, but they are really in a rough place right now, right? And the only way you're going to be able to extract that is to recognize they shouldn't change a thing, first of all, but then secondly, be able to have personalized relationships so you can ask those questions. Listen, I'm here for you you know what? I want to take a call with you. That's 15 to 20 minutes on the phone. I know we normally don't do it, but I'm sensing you need to chat to someone about, you know, how you're doing with this consistency and rhythm, et cetera. And that could, you know, ultimately change that, that person's life Yeah. for immunity. <laughs> that's, you know? Yeah. That's exactly what I was looking for. And, and I'm like, also on top, maybe other people's perception is just get 800 packets of uh, emergency and pour them into a glass and drink that every, <laughs> every five <laughs> <laughs> they're just shitting their pants and now they're dehydrated, <laughs> you know so you know there's <laughs> vitamin c that people are going to use and then they're going to be you know shitting their pants based uh, upon overloading vitamin c 
besides there's B vitamins and other electrolytes in there that are stimulant to the nervous system in the afternoon. So if people have it, they're not going to fuck up their sleep. You see the whole concept is oh, like, yeah. oh, boost immune sleep system. goes, oh, gut goes worth. Sleep and shit yeah. your pants. Mm, that's, that's good in a yeah. time where you should be healthy. We, we have, we were not as lucky to have that much sunlight in, in Illinois. Um, I was looking at other ways to get sunlight, especially in the wintertime. Um, one of your coaches wrote a blog about getting like a, a light lamp. So for some light therapy, 30 on, um, and then just the rest of the day, you're, you should be good. Um, but especially now, I mean, vitamin D, getting the sun, um, the vegetables, things that, that, you know, maybe if you haven't been doing and what Chase and I usually do preach in our coaches is don't overhaul everything all at once, you know, make small obtainable steps towards an overall goal. That's, that's something that we've really been, been pushing, but advising more so than anything, I think. Hey, John, I, uh, I wonder which system that the principles behind that came from. Ooh, I wonder. I wonder. If the, ch <laughs> the chances it was the CCP? Yeah, basic lifestyle guidelines. Yeah. That's basically yep. the, uh, yeah. the, the tone that we use on that because then humans, not coaches, look at that and go, basic guidelines. Yeah, basic guidelines to living. Yeah, you chew your food. Through, right? It's like, Chew your food, get some sunshine. But I love your point. Yeah. So if someone right now today is like, oh, you know, I heard about this sleeping thing and I heard about water and whatever. Yes. To your point, I really like it. Just do these little interventions right now, right? Little interventions that are barely a change in your system. And then maybe at the end of this, we never know. We don't know, right? Maybe your immunity gets stronger. I don't know. But we don't want to do these big shifts, right? Don't go fasting now. Don't go paleo if you were like, you know, 60, 65% carb, you know, grains in your diet. Don't, don't go doing that stuff now. Not because all those things are not valid. It's just that you don't want to shift, shift things up. Well, and to your point there, you, you touched on gut microflora and everything. Uh, in reading Healthy Gut, Healthy You, the, the point is made multiple times that eating to balance blood sugar will keep a more healthy gut far more than trying to eat to feed gut bacteria. Yeah, so and we don't go, know. Yeah. I mean, and we don't even know if that's the thing that is like directly impactful for that. But again, I say, who fucking cares if we know that it is, it is, you know, real, then that's where I go. And th that's how I explain it to clients is like, back to your point on like coaching education, does a coach need to know that shit? No. But if a client has a food and a half hour later, they're ready to be on a cot. Okay. That just tells you something. You don't need to be a fucking scientist in nutrition to know that that's not right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, based upon our previous definition of what is good energy and what do we expect in the day. So then clients can go, so what you're telling me is I should wake up and feel like this out of bed and then have these good mental acuity thoughts in the morning and be creative around noon. I should start to feel like my energy shifts a little bit. And then afternoon I'm kind of starting to snuggle in. And then by the evening time, I'm just enjoying my meal and doing light activities in the evening. Then I wind down and go to sleep. So what you're saying is that's how I'm supposed to feel. And you're like, yeah, that's how you're supposed to feel. Right. <laughs> and then I don't need, I didn't need a degree in science of, of biorhythms to teach right. them that. <laughs> no. It's like, Oh, how do you feel right out of bed? Oh, I'm, I'm dead out of bed for two hours. Okay. Well, let's talk about why that is. See my point. Mm -hmm. So how do we fix that? It's generally sleep hygiene, proper blood sugar management the day before. And there I just gave you two principles that you could fundamentally change people's lives, but you seemingly think you need to read 19 books and do six years of university to get that answer. <laughs> right. You, you read why we sleep and healthy gut, healthy you, and you get most of those answers right there. I mean, it's just, yeah. It. Uh, yeah. Is, is, and with your shirt and it does say sustain on the back is gain in pain on the front. Is gain in pain oh. on the back of your shirt? Oh, no, that would be, that'd be a good idea. 
Um, I should probably put together, so I definitely got to do the research on the hockey curve and I definitely got to put together a better shirt that, that those words can go together really intelligently on the back, but sustain is on the front. James, I think gains should be like right on the sleeve. That's a good point. I mean, no yeah. one does that. Yeah. No one does that on the yeah. Under Armour. So we'll, we'll see. Now, question there. Who has the bigger arms? Me or Sam Smith? Definitely you. All right. Just, <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure. Let him know that. Well, I mean, it's, I just said it. So it's, yeah. Really <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let's, let's continue on Chase's bro session real quick. 2007, James Fitzgerald versus uh, Matt Fraser in his prime. Same workout you won in. Who, who wins that one? Matt Fraser. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I would say almost whatever you, whatever you decide to come up with as a workout, uh, I would probably beat him in like program design on true coach, you know, in speed and efficiency. I mean, Here we go. Uh, I, yeah. I, and it's not, it's not every day we have, you know, the fittest man on earth join a podcast of ours, you know, a small little podcast cutout. Um, you know, how did, how did you, what, what was that path that you got started? Cause I remember listening, you know, you were in the garage doing all the workouts as, as CrossFit would release them. You know, you're, you were one of those first, I don't say pioneers, but one of those first dudes doing that, you know, getting nitty and gritty and then your whole evolution into an overall sustainable athlete at, at first. But how did you get on that track and, and what enticed you and then that transformation on the back end? Yeah, uh, well, I had a fighter uh, and colleague friend of mine who we were going back and forth on conditioning and what that whole group was doing. And uh, of course, this was a decade into now practicing fitness, where it was like just trying to figure out different systems. And he put me on to that, saying that he went to this uh, fighting group um, and uh, they were like, yeah, you should check out this thing called CrossFit. So he gets home. He's like, hey, Fitz, you know, check this out. So uh, I go to dot com and I, you know, read all the journals and I see the message and it just makes sense. Right. In terms of this, like uh, concept of broad fitness and, you know, as the as the language goes. Right. Um, and so at that point in time, I immediately, it immediately struck me in a couple of different ways. Number one, I now started to have my own design of something that I don't have to think about. I just get up and do so. And, and, and although it may seem like crazy to some people to hear that. At that point in time, it was kind of nice to have, right? Like there's a computer and a thing comes up and you just do it. It's like, fuck, this is fucking fascinating. You know? Um, so at the time that was kind of cool. Secondly, I looked at it and immediately said, this thing probably has like three to four decades of work inside of it to truly understand it. So that's, that was really inspiring for me. Uh, cause I was like, you know, cause you know, I'm, I thought in strength conditioning, it was like, you can only fucking get so big and get so strong and do aerobic activity, right? I fucking read all the manuals, studied with all the best in the world. It's like, okay, we're back to the same fucking story. Um, and then it's the drug story and then it's the supplement story. It's like, oh, gosh. Uh, and so now I was like, oof, you know, this is fucking, this is going to take a long time. Um, and, then, and then third, I would say I really love the concept of how work could be done in a new way. And so I then started having these ideas of like, these visions of if this concept of work changes, then it fundamentally changes our concept of energy system training. And if it changes our concept of energy system training, then it changes our concept of concurrent methods of training. And if it does that, then now you can see it bleeds out into like a whole new conceptual idea as to how fitness is served. Right? So I started doing that, you know, the athlete thing every morning, recognized over time I can add a subtract and do all the kind of shit to it. And then, uh, 
uh, CrossFit puts out this um, vision of like, we're going to have a competition, get all these people together. It just made sense. It's just like, we've been doing this all online. So it'd be great if we all got together. Yeah. Um, we get to be in person with Chris Spieler um, and, and do our thing. It was like, okay, well, let's do that. And we all got together in 2007 and uh, I was fortunate enough to come out on top. Oh yeah. That's awesome. No, I really do appreciate that. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chase. I didn't answer the, I didn't answer the, the, or actually I thought about it as I just answered that, but I didn't answer the, the rest of the question. Um, is that, that was a really, you know, well, first of all, in 2007, I was 33, just so people can know in terms of age. And so they always, uh, cause I always need to attach that to it. Cause they're like, Oh, you know what happened in 2010 is like, I was fucking old and I shouldn't have been competing. That's the fucking truth. <laughs> um, and the sport was growing. Right. But but um, I still continue to compete. But after 2007, I really knew it in my heart that I wanted to teach this, whatever this was, to everyone, right? I just knew that it wasn't, I didn't think, I never, this is what all people all think is like, oh, you think it's your way and you do it differently. I never thought that. I just thought I have my own unique way of seeing this and I wanted to teach everyone about that unique way, right? And if you didn't like it, that's okay. I still love you. But don't fucking hammer on me because I just don't want to follow your rules, right? And so I think that's where was the separation between, we'll call it James and CrossFit, is that I just didn't, I just wanted to do my own thing with these tools that were embedded inside of it. And I saw lots of inspiration inside of it. You can still hear it in my voice today. And in mixed modal, I fucking love it. The concept inside of it has got 20, 30 years now of research that needs to be unfolded. But I continued to do that at 2008, 9, 10, and I was competing but I really wasn't there competing, if yeah. that makes sense. I was doing it to do it with other people. I was doing it for a movie. I was doing it for, because they asked me to come back, da, 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 da. Um, I shouldn't have been there. So what you saw is like competing for a number of years. I was just there. You know, I was just there. Um, I actually feel a little bit more proud about coming back as a master and coming third now, because the first guy got busted. So now I actually moved up to third place. <laughs> um, I got third as a 40-year-old um, in 2014. So that, that gave me a little bit more pride, actually, where I actually truly enjoyed the competition like I did in 2007. And if you guys have ever been in sports, you know what I mean by that. Like, it looks like we're enjoying it, but sometimes mm -hmm. we're not. It's just, it's just too much of a struggle mentally and yeah. cognitively. And those two times I left, I was like, man, I'm at peace. Like, I feel good about that, you know? Yeah. I feel really happy about what I contributed and did on that. So I just ended the story on the uh, – the athlete life cycle, but it, but it leads into why I speak clearly around this thing of athlete versus human. Right. And I think they're, I think they're really dissected. They're two different things because I lived both of them and I struggled every fucking morning with that little human on my shoulder in 2009. Right. Being like, you're a fucking pussy. Like you're a fucking champ. You should be doing this. And this other person over here is like, you can't get down to pick up your fucking child, bro. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a fucking, that's a stark uh, yeah, try to rip that fucker apart. It took me a decade to rip that apart. You know what I mean? So yeah. I know how to speak to it. And I, that's why I clearly say it's one boat or the other. There's, they're not even like, not even anywhere near close on that. Yeah. And you, and you, I was listening to one of your, your other podcasts on the, on the OPEX uh, platform and the host, he, he said something about Rob Gronkowski um, retiring at the age of 30. And you said, you know, he might've had that, that flare go off where he's like, maybe he couldn't pick his kids up, you know, and that's obviously he's coming back now. I think that news broke yesterday, but yeah. you know, those are very real battles that people face within themselves. It's like, you know, do you tell this guy to shut up and then take the reins with this? But, but how do you come to that conclusion? And it's good to see that you made peace with that. And that's, that's, that's yeah. 
a very well, it wasn't difficult easy. decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let me, let me be honest with you. Just so people are like, Oh, he just made a decision. It's like, no, there's a lot of people that don't come out on the good side of trying to find that, find that answer. Let's be honest. There's a lot of depression. There's a lot of physical harm. People will go down a nasty route of addiction in multiple areas in order to kind of figure out what that is. Right. So that wasn't easy. I don't want to like paint it as a nice picture. No, uh, some shit that I did inside of there, I will never unfold and tell people, but that's the struggle that goes on between trying to separate those two things. Right. But I'll say there's some beautiful things inside of it that I want people to take from it. The struggle makes it worthwhile on the other side. Right. Remember those points. Right. So if you're down and out for fucking years and you got that struggle and strife between who you are as a person and your definition, keep fucking struggling with it because that weight that you bear allows you to shine a whole lot brighter when you get through it on the other side. That would I, I'd fucking tell you. I would, I would repeat that fucking five years of my life for a century to what I learned based upon just coming out that other side. And remember too that not everyone has the capabilities to get through those periods. They actually don't have the caught, like I've been very fortunate and blessed with those maybe frameworks of centuries gone by of generations who gave me that. But those thoughts came up that allowed me to say things like stick with it. Like, you know, critically answer, critically question what's going on here now. Think about, you know what I'm saying? And we have to be, and all I'm saying is that because we're fitness coaches, you need to reach out to people and you need to, you need to grab them and say, listen, I don't know much, but I'm fucking sensing you're having a real big struggle bust right now, right? Yeah. And I just want to let you know, I'm not willing to change it. I don't want to sit, shit you up, but I'm going to tell you that when I walk, when I, you walk by and you make those comments, I can tell that you're in a deep strife between this and this here. Um, and I was fortunate to have that arise in myself, very fortunate, but I can tell you there's a shit ton of people that don't have that coach who could be there for them during that period of time. Yeah, well said. Um, I've heard you talk on something before how you were kind of ostracized for using the words bodybuilding in the early days and now things like, Oh yes. That was and, in the context of, yeah. yeah, that was in the context of uh, what I would do to prepare. Like I had, it was like a CNN bit, right? It's like, you got 20 seconds. What's your answer to uh, what you would do to build the best CrossFit athlete? And I was like, bodybuild. Yeah. That's what I would do. Well, it, but now it's popular. You put, you put the word functional in front of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, you got real comical or I, at least I enjoyed it the way you uh, described Marcus Philly and his physical attributes uh, yeah. when I was out for the immersion weekend. <laughs> We're all fanboys deep down, right? Let's just, Oh yeah. I mean, it's the hair, it's the hair and the color of the skin and the smile. It's just in the pecs, those pecs. It, I was, yep. And the pecs. Yeah. Right? <laughs> With, um, and I don't know too much about uh, Big Dogs as a whole collective. I know that that's I've been following uh, with Sam Smith through Chase, and then what uh, Colleen Foch has been doing. And I got to watch her at the games. Yeah, uh, we live what like an hour away from Madison, so I've I've been in the games twice as mm-hmm. as I've gotten on this uh, as a as a spectator, not been to the games. But yeah. um, you know, can you talk a little bit about you know people who still have that competitive edge and what Big Dogs? Um, as a, as a, um, a platform can help people who still have that competitive edge and what that, what the coaches can really do with that program too. Yeah. Uh, well, I started the concept of coaching those people that avatar people who are like really super interested in pushing themselves in that physical expression and mixed mold work in like 2007, eight. 
Um, and then it took multiple years to get it to a point where it was a system and a business, et cetera. Um, and since that point in time, 2010, 2011, I coached other coaches who now have systems that are basically in place for that. I only preempt the answer with that to make you recognize that we've, as big dogs, we were early adopters and we clearly aligned what our mission was and who we want to work with, right? So I, I preempt with that. So people are thinking, oh, you know, you guys are doing good. It's like, well, there's a lot that goes into the story of like doing good and what success is, right? Uh, these are coaches that are really good humans, professionals, and know what they want to get out of their clients. That's a key point, right? And what they want to get is they want to challenge their clients to be a better version of themselves through this thing called fitness, right? And that's a key point is that, so we don't have a lot of broken minds, broken bodies, broken attitudes to come in because we don't attract that. Right. We, don't, we don't want you if, you, if you just want to not be compliant or complain you can't find broccoli or whatever. Um, I'll bar to, you know, it'd be hard to find broccoli during this period of time, but you get my point is like, that's not what we're looking after. So I say that meaning that that's what big dogs does. We attract people who need to have some specific guidance, but they're really seriously intensive around this physical expression. They what they want to see in themselves. They want to be, they want to be tested by someone who could push the right buttons individually to allow them to experience these things that we all fell in love with in physical expression training, right? And it does ear, I'm not gonna lie, it, it does work better for the athlete mindset intention, most definitely, right? I mean, we don't have, you know, uh, 12 coaches working full time around the clock for people who are like, oh, I'm gonna be with you forever, you know? No, that's not, that's not the clients we're, we're looking for. We're looking for people who are like really fucking into it, and they need some direction, they need some help, but they deep down have this like intention of just overcoming all of these personal physical challenges and they need some guidance in order to do that. You know, and Sam, as you mentioned numerous times, um, is, a, is a person that uh, uh, goes after that. Like he just, he just want, he sniffs those people out, right? Who are like, who want to like figure that out and he'll fucking find you in Madison. Be like, I just sense you need to have some like direction and I can fucking help these people. You know what I'm saying? And that's why he aligns well with his clients based upon that. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's big. Dog. Yeah. No, really, really well said. And that's, that's a good, a good segue too. And what I have some, uh, we have some, I'll just, you know, tease your audience a bit. We got some exciting news coming up, coming up the next, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months with regards to uh, nice. online coaching. So that'll be a, a nice shift in evolution of, what we're doing oh that's that's, that's perfect Te tease away that's what we're here for us you're not just <laughs> yeah, our audience. oh man <laughs> um and and i know we're we're kind of running up against the clock here i wanted to ask uh one more thing too what what is a message you know you would give to somebody who's either like a you know just beating the crap out of their bodies right now or on the fence about getting more serious about fitness you know what what is something that you know, would be very beneficial to somebody who might be on the fence about taking that next step and bettering themselves, but they may, they may not have what they think the tools are around them. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, to start tracking your fitness scores. Uh, that's what I think. Um, I think assessment tells the truth. And so if, you know, if they can't get a coach, I'm just going to assume that because that'd be an easy answer, right? Just get a coach. And they'll tell you what to do. So if I want people to become self-evident, Right. So that means they do their shit and they go, ah, I just did that. And this is what I'm getting. So how you find that out, like you, you see some success that we've seen with people tracking foods, 
You got to track shit over time because the tracking of it and the measurement of fitness will reveal the truth, right? So if this person's like, oh, so how long? It's like you're asking the wrong question, right? The whole idea about tracking is to look at trends because I need you to look at your shit where you do a snatch and you video on Instagram, you're fucking, yeah, I'm fucking excited. And then you got to track all your shit for three months. And then why didn't you put up your snatch video again this time? You see that? Why you didn't is because you just fucking realized that all the shit you did for three months was fucking useless in order to make you stronger because your snatch went down 10 pounds and you looked like shit when you tried to attempt it this time. So the only way people will get to the truth of that is to track all the shit that they've done. And guess what they'll do? They'll rewire all that shit because they hated that moment where that fucking bar came crashing down on them, right? And so they will eventually then rewire with a feedback loop that you had nothing to do with. You know what I'm saying? And the reason why I like that too is like, well, then there's no responsibility but the person's, right? So if they're like, oh man, I'm in a hole and it's your fault. It's like, not my fucking fault. You're the fucking, you did all this fucking shit. You know what I'm saying? Like you couldn't figure that out for yourself. So that's what I would tell people who if they're, and first of all, to your point, if they're actually contemplating that they could be beating themselves up just because they heard that language from me, they're probably going to get there. They will come out the other side. It's just that a whole ton of people won't, won't listen to this and they'll still do it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. and, and that's just not the right message at the right time. But if there's someone listening, they're like, yeah, I've been asking that question a lot. Then just track all your shit and stuff will work out because you'll start doing things at 24 years of age and then 31 or 52 where you're like, yeah, this is probably not going to be sustainable for the next 30 years. Right. And you'll say that to yourself in your mind, in a chair while you're taking a, taking a shit or taking a second. Right. And it's at those moments that you then become, you go, you go like this, you go, you know what? I'm going to be the inspiration to change this, right? I'm the person that decides upon this. So now they may go look for a coach because they need guidance on what that looks like, right? And then the coach comes back and says, well, what's your goals? And they go, I've been thinking, <laughs> I want to do this for a lot longer, right? And so now they are vulnerable and they give up. And then in return, the coach gives them great information and then they're off and running and we've healed someone. But it all started with them becoming self-evident of their process through awareness. So that's what I would say. Start tracking your shit and keep it tracked in a little booklet, analog, pen and paper. <laughs> Do it for months and months. It's beautiful. Hell yeah. James, I got a question. If you could recommend one book uh, to a novice coach, oh. what would it be? Only uh, one. <laughs> yeah. uh, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy by Paul Check. Okay. Good Hell one. yeah. Yeah, man. Um, there's so many for the new coach, but I'm going to assume we're talking about the technician, right? Someone just starting yeah. out. Um, yeah. Paul puts it in a language that's just like, it's like, yeah, it just makes so much sense based upon how the new person in 2020 sees that they'll be like, Oh man, that's, there's only absolute strength training in there. It's very core focused. It's very holistic in nutrition. It's like, yeah, that's because that shit works, right? Yeah. Like he put it together because it was like fancy. They could sell a book, you know what I'm saying? And there's some good practices in that. Bodybuilding and going for a walk works. Basically, you know, he's, this is what Paul says, right? He's like, take a look at your shit. It's the best lab, right? So take a look at your toilet paper or your toilet. That's the best assessment lab that you have that you get to see every day, right? Uh, chew your food. Uh, choose foods that help serve you for the things you want to do and contribute. I love that language because it's like, okay, if you want to eat shit, right, and stay within calories but feel like shit, then that's cool. But if you want to feel great 
and then contribute and do physical challenges, then this is what you eat, you know? So I like the way he puts it in that. And then he says, do all these primal movements. Yeah. Like just do pushing and pulling and bending and, and to, so a new, new coach would be like, that's just it. Yeah. I was looking for the golden nugget. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Great answer. Okay. I usually don't have an answer, but the caveat was for the new coach who just starting out. And so that was yeah. a great I want to make it more specific. I know a lot of people ask, what's one book you'd recommend? What's your favorite book? Yeah. <laughs> Do you well, see the know. shelf behind what this guy? Right now? <laughs> yeah. hey, what are you reading right now? Uh, Dan Ariely's book. He's a uh, Duke lab professor on uh, irrational behavior. It's called The Truth About uh, Dishonesty or The Honest Truth About Dishonesty. Ooh. Okay. I, I have Everybody Lies on my shelf waiting to be read. Oh, dude, that's a... Anyways, that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, but then I read, so the lead in after that, I'm sorry, I should say that the lead in after that one, read, you're not so smart. Okay. And after that, I was like, oh man, I got to couple this up with more of Dan's work because some of his stuff was, was inside of it. Um, and this book is, is humorous and fascinating on how people cheat and lie. It's just fucking crazy. <laughs> oh yeah. So good. But it makes you recognize humans are, humans are crazy. Right? We're, we're just so complex and funny. When, when I started to dive in to, uh, to what your messaging was, I saw, I, uh, I saw that you put a book out, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Yeah. I, I haven't started that one yet, but I do have it, and I need to – I saw that was a pretty good one too, just the whole overall theory of it is, is fascinating. Yeah, because if you, if you take the fitness coach lens as you read through it, it'll just bleed principles. Yeah. It's just biological principles. It's right really like – we've evolved to do this and this is probably why we do this. That's how we adapt to stress. And you were looking at it going, Oh, so when people work out, this is what they get. It's like, yes. <laughs> how would they learn about that and how they adapt and who doesn't adapt and compensatory adaptations, you know, and then you'll start seeing in my language, I'm just standing on the shoulders of giants of people who dug into this from different areas. And that's what CCP is just principles of all that. Oh yeah. That's great. I, I have one more question. Chase, do you have anything else you wanted to ask? No, James? no, I'm good. Cool. And we'll get you out on this one. Uh, it's probably going to be the most important question you're asked all day, uh, maybe all month. Um, all right, right. 2007 James Fitzgerald versus 2011 Rich Froning. No doubt Rich is like just, again, a saint. <laughs> Wait, versus same. 2009 Rich Froning who can't do a rope climb. Ooh. Well, I guess it depends upon the modalities, yeah. <laughs> but as a caveat though, I think he had like, uh, anti-fragile auto-regulation stuff inside of them that if it was like a bunch of rounds of stuff, he would learn by the third round how to, how to beat me on that. So, um, even if we took the metal rod out of your leg, like if you never had a metal rod, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, now we're on, now we're on to something. Okay, let's see here now. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I really do appreciate your time. I know Chase does too. And, and we're, uh, you know, again, we're, we're a small podcast, but we want to get the best information out to, to our members. Um, and, and what better way to have guys like you join and, and be a part. So thank you so much for giving us an hour and a half of your time. Hopefully yeah, we can, hopefully we can reconnect here in the future. Um, yeah, have you back on to discuss some things. I'd love to do that. Yeah. yeah. There are a few things we barely graze the surface of. So. Yeah, 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 I love discussing those things. The more I, the more I speak about it, it, it makes me uh, refine my message on uh, if I really do believe it's true. Um, and uh, yeah, I learn lots of things from it, so I appreciate it. 
Ariane. Yeah, it was a pleasure. So thank you everyone for listening. Again, we had James Fitzgerald on, the guy that paints the picture. OPEX, go check it out. Big dogs, go check it out. Stay safe, Ardent. Thank you again, James. Appreciate it. Yeah, bye-bye.